I've just done. Um, thrown a fajita down myself and I didn't realise how much chilli it had in it and now I'm sweating. Now you're sweating. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. oh god, okay. Tray on chilli. This is the Sheer Isolation Podcast. It's presented by Kieran Moore and John Ponting. Hello, welcome. Welcome indeed. This is the Sheer Isolation Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are here once again to spread another half hour's worth of joy, local music. So, yes, I never know how to end that sentence. It always goes badly for me. I start so positively. If you've not joined us before, then uh, we're here to promote the local music scene. We play a couple of tracks from local artists. We have a chat to a a really interesting guest from the industry. And we've got a very, very interesting guest this week, Trace Dez, who is Frank Turner's tour manager. Frank Turner's tour manager, among many other tour managers over her years. I didn't actually realise how many years she's been doing it, but she's very experienced She's been at the very top of the industry. She's been at some of the biggest venues the UK's got to offer with Frank. Um, so she's very well, well established. She knows exactly what she's talking about. And she's got a lot to say. And it's all very interesting stuff. This is the kind of stuff that people don't think about. So if you're into your music and you like live music, you may find some of the things we're going to talk about in a minute a little bit of an eye-opener. So uh, listen, there'll be a test at the end. You have picked a, a track. We've got a, a brand new track from John E. Vistic, who is another John E. Vistic. I'm not familiar with. Do you want to chat to us about who that is yeah so johnny vistic was a chap that i met doing his sounds at the 12 bar in swindon uh, i used to get paid like i don't know 40 quid for doing the sound and at the end of the night I'd, if i really liked the band i'd always go and buy their merch so i ended up buying his uh, seven inch single that he had back in the day called till my loneliness has gone and that was the last green vinyl that they had before they sold out so i was delighted to get this vinyl i'm very happy with that in my collection uh, but john makes he basically makes swampy blues. He's a little bit crazy. He's a stalwart of the Bristol scene. He's very well known in Bristol. He's been knocking about for years and his bands, a three-piece, are just sensational, really powerful, loud, psychedelic blues bands. This is a new track. Um, I believe this is a cover of, is this, was this the one that gets a cover? I don't know. Well, it's called The King of Rock and Roll. Oh no, it's not a cover. This is not a cover. This is an original song, <laughs> but he's, he's, he's been releasing himself. Johnny Vistic has been releasing these um, Bandcamp albums to raise money for various projects in Bristol. And they've all been using Bristol bands. A lot of them are doing covers or alternative versions. Um, and I think this is one that's due out very soon. So um, yeah, this is, a, this is a cracker, this is. Take it away, John.
so that was a new track from Johnny Vistic, the King of Rock and Roll, and that was more heavier than I was expecting. It was quite a heavy punk element in that feel. Yeah, I think he's angry. I think he's angry at the state of the world. As a lot of people are. <laughs> As a lot of people are. Yeah, no, he, he's a bit more bluesy than that. A bit more swampy blues, delta blues, lots of overdrive. But yeah, he's gone proper full-on angry. <laughs> it's good for musicians to experiment, though, isn't it? You don't want the same album every time. You don't, and he is definitely a man of experimentation. He's had so many different lineups and, and sort of vibes and sounds to him, to his, his band. All within the same sort of sphere, but really interesting artist. And um, obviously on the Share Isolation podcast, we do play quite a varied mix of music. If you want to go back and listen to any of the tracks we've played over the last few months, they are all up there on YouTube. You can just search Share Isolation podcast and that will bring up all of the tracks we've played and, and all of our back catalogue of shows as well. So hours and hours of entertainment. I have got some, I've got some music news. It's just been announced that Placebo, because they had all of their, basically their world tours cancelled, as a lot of bands did, what Placebo have done, and they're doing 24 different live streams, I believe one after another, on YouTube, which you have to sign up to their YouTube, which I think is like forward slash Placebo World. You just sign up, register, be a follower, and then I think every day, for 24 days, they're going to put up 24 different live gigs from their past, from their history. They haven't announced which dates, which now, what years yet. But I know from my point of view, from my what's the word, formative years when I was getting into music, Placebo were a really significant band to me. So if there's mm. anything in there from like 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001, I'm going to be all over it. I'm going to be really, really excited. I, I suppose to be able to do that, first off, you need to have all of your back catalogue recorded and have it like HD quality and really good sound quality, which, which a lot of local acts, bless them, don't, don't have well, that have. In, in the arsenal. No. I, Particularly I'm, when you're doing it. Shut up. I've got loads of live recordings and they're very good quality. I can remember when I talked with Frank on the um, Take That Hark tour, his sound manager at the time was a guy called Graham. And Graham used to record every single show. So every t- show, multi-tracked, he's got them recorded from, I don't know, five or six year period that he was doing Frank's sound. And what he used to do is he used to walk into every, like the following venue the following day, walk in, set up his system. He'd play back the recording from the night before. So it's the multi-track live recording that he can edit in real time. He'd play it back through the, the venue sound system or whatever, the, you know, their, their rig they've got set up, and he'd re-EQ it for the room, using the day before as live recording. So he knew exactly how it's going to sound in an hour's time. The band would then get up to soundcheck, and soundcheck took 15 minutes. They literally plugged in, went, blam! Was that all right for you? Yeah, it was right for me. Was that all right for you? Yeah, it was right for me. And that was the end of it. I was like, what? It's the first time I'd ever seen a digital desk, like, on tour, like, used properly. I'd never seen one like that before, because the early digital deaths are quite primitive this and he was again top of the industry at that point you know it, you know number number two albums and graham and all the rest of it he had like the best desks going and it's all you know all pre-recorded presets all the rest of it and he just recorded them from the night before and i was blown away so there you go Jen, this is going to show how long i've been out of the scene but i've still not used a digital desk in a live scene have you not no you've probably to be fair you've skipped the awkward period of them coming out and then being a bit naff. Um, so they were like, everybody, the concept was there. Let's make it digital. Great. The execution was really, really poor. And it wasn't until five or six generations of desks had come out that people had ironed out all the issues. I One day, John, I will show you. Lovely. Thank you, Kieran. I look forward to that. Yeah. This week's guest is Trey, Trey Stead, who is a tour manager 
and we're going to be talking to her about um, about being a tour manager, about not working, about the um, the marches, and and so on and so forth that have been she's been involved with in the last week. But I do touch on that subject with her is that I feel like I might be going rusty in terms of my technical application to live sound because I'm not getting to do it. So I'm I'm wondering now what I can do to get myself out of this funk and get myself back in the back in the game, back in the zone. Well, you, you, if you go onto YouTube, you, you see. Um clips of sports commentators and, and they're commentating just on general life what you need to do is mix general life okay i can do that <laughs> i think it'd be a laugh i'm not sure what you'd like go to people who are in a picnic in the park and just start but with, with a sound effect and start fading them <laughs> a couple of microphones around them and yeah. start <laughs> yeah. that could work isn't it <laughs> yeah good it could <laughs> okay that'll be next week's video <laughs> this is the first part of uh, Trey's interview we were talking for so long we thought it was worth making this one a two-parter it starts really randomly as well which is just all of a sudden starts talking about a head injury so over to Trey and the big mark on her eye I just want to see my close-up of my work related injuries day where I smacked myself in the face with a tray in the kitchen and then in the hospital that I'm working in. I thought I'd gouge my eye out, but I've just gonna have a nice black eye for tomorrow, so that'd be good. <laughs> uh, well, actually, you, you, well, let's just jump in at the deep end because you've gone straight there. Um, obviously, Trey, I know you because you're a tour manager and you represent, you've done a lot of st- work with Frank Turner in the past, so yes. asking you for guest list or trying to explain myself on the door somewhere, trying to sneak in from the back. Um, but obviously... You're not doing any tour manager work at the moment. I'm absolutely not doing tour management work. I was on tour with Frank doing the uh, theatre tour, which was uh, him and his wife Jess and Michael Schnabel. A nice little tour is great. And just right at the end of that, I think the last three dates, it was obviously getting to lockdown. We got we decided to pull the last two or three shows, I think and go home um, when the American travel ban came in, um, when Trump's travel ban came in, because we had three Americans on tour, and they just said, we, we need to get home. And I was like, let's get you home, which was a whole nother nightmare. Since then, I sat at home, and then I got really bored, because I'm not used to being at home, ever. And I Facebook post came up asking to get people to volunteer at the Nightingale Hospital in Manchester, and I live like 20 minutes walk from there. So I figured, let's, you know, let's go and do that. And then basically, they just said... Um, we actually got there, did all like signed up for it, and then they said we've got we haven't got the right insurance for volunteers, doesn't paid work, and I was like, oh yeah, go on then. And that <laughs> oh no, yeah, couldn't possibly might say as well. It. Which actually turned out to be a blessing in disguise. I wasn't really looking for a job at that point, but then now it's been what twelve weeks or something. I'm just, like, it's actually, and we're we're in standby, but we're still. I'm working on the catering team, so we're feeding all the all the admin staff and the nurses and stuff. So we are we are going to the end till at the end of December at the minute and possibly through to March. Oh, wow, really? So that's how long you're looking at? Yeah, the the Nightingales are staying staying on standby until March. Um, Wow. Just to be ready to go if there is a second wave. Uh, Everything's set up and they're ready to go. So I think the whole ones in the country are doing the same. Wow. And obviously that story you've just told us, although the hospital might be different, but it's a common story because obviously... All the people that you work with in the industry, the technicians, the crews, etc., have all had to find themselves alternative jobs because of this situation. What other, do you know anybody else who's doing stuff? What, yeah. what story do you know from your friends? We were, well, I was at the March, the Manchester March, where we make events, which is a whole other story, obviously. We'll um, come to that in a minute. And just finding out what everyone's doing. There's people working for Tesco's. One of the sort of top caterers that I met on, on Take That um, tours is now work doing the like graveyard shift at Tesco's uh, in the warehouse mm. from like 
four in the morning till till 10, I think. Lots of the tech boys are coding. They're all learning how to code. Um, oh, really? That's interesting. Yeah, there's, there's, we're going to be a nation of coders. That's what it's going to be because that's, you know, that they know all that stuff. So they're yeah. all learning code. Um, it sounds like there's a lot of people trying to find things to fill their time to keep the door open to go back to touring everyone's self-employed you know whenever we you know jump around with jobs and stuff we'll all jump between bands and try and fit in whoever will you know wants us to come and tour with them but it's always within the same the same industry and like now we're having to find other jobs to fill it in but not start a whole new career and not get because you want to leave the door open to go back However, at the same time, you know, my next gig is booked in is, is May next year, 2021. It will be over a year since I've worked to that point. Yeah. But two months ago, everyone thought shows were going to start in October. So yeah. if by March or May shows still aren't happening, how long do I realistically need to wait before I need to go? Do you know what? I think I need to find a new career. It's that's scary. really, that's actually quite uh what's the word like it's quite a sad story isn't it it's quite sobering yeah it's daunting i've done this for 15 years i haven't yeah. done a normal job in 15 years i do it because i love it i've won yeah. two awards i've you know i do like yes. I to do this i you have a lot of sacrifice you don't have home life and you know all this sort of thing um this is the most amount of time i've spent at home in absolutely years but i do want to go back to it because i absolutely love Oof. it I did an interview with The Guardian the other day and they were talking about the same thing, what, what, what people are doing in the interim. And they said, how other people, have you asked other people? And at that point, I was like, the people I want to know if, they're actually, if they've actually decided, made a decision to do something else, because they, you know, they might have fallen between the cracks. They might not have got the self-employment furlough, all this sort of stuff. I haven't asked them what they're doing because I don't really want to know the answer because right. with Frank, we're a team of 12. So that band and crew, our, our solid worldwide team is 12 people. Um, some Americans, some British, some Irish, but you know, we might not be the same 12. Yeah. There is a massive, people don't really, people probably sat at home and not even thinking about those implications, but actually that really could be such a different feel when you come back to doing shows because you know your your group of 12 is like a family you're really close knit you know exactly what's doing you know what needs to be done you've got each other's back come next year come may you start another show another tour another band a new group of people there may well be a certain element of lack of slickness going in i know i'm concerned about going back to events and going i'm a sound engineer again now actually i'm not i'm gonna be rusty i know i am i'm gonna be rusty compared to how Six months ago. This is it. I, I, I said this the other day. I was talking to, so Dougie, my production manager, was, was at the march in Manchester, Liverpool yesterday. So I actually, first time I've seen him in four months when we work together 24 hours a day all the time. We have done for like five years. The thing is, we have to go back to making shows run like clockwork, making sure that people yeah. don't miss flights and get on the right transport and make, you know, get to the next place and just, just make things happen. But I've got to do that like that. And yeah. Margin we, for error is small. Oh my God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I have two weeks off, we go back to a tour and we're like, we do a say, you know, a security briefing, for example, with the security before doors and we both go, how's this working? And that's with two weeks off a year. Yeah. And you expect yeah, it to yeah, get yeah. right. <laughs> and if it doesn't yeah. get right and I forget to like book the bass player on the flight, that's my job gone. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, there's not there's not there's no one else to blame apart from me. 
Of course. Well, you know, saying that though, the band, the band also has to remember how to play all the songs with, without, you know, a year. So I guess <laughs> saying that, I can't practice what I do at home, do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, of course. You can't get any better at being a TM at home, can you? <laughs> not really, not really. <laughs> uh, last week there was this march, these marches going on in Manchester and, and London and a few other places uh, called the Red Alert. Um, you went to one of them, didn't you? So uh, do, you want, do you want to tell us all about it? Yeah, so I went to two, actually. I went, so in Manchester, we did uh, a march, a silent flight case march through Manchester from the academy, like by going past a lot of the venues that are there that are obviously closed or, you know, a risk of um, actually closing down. We went past Gorilla, which had was in the news a few weeks ago, which was, I think, just at the last minute saved from proper closure, which is a, it, great because it's, you know, we actually went past Deaf Institute as well. All these venues are just Another there. Another one, think yeah. About it. Yeah. Went, so we started at the academy, walked all the way up to St. Peter's Square, uh, silent flight case march. It was fantastic. I think they had a couple of thousand people turn out. They put all the flight cases in front of the library just to show how many people, you know, how many different jobs like were at risk. And then the, the load of guys did the help signs with some red flares in the front, which was great. And that was a daytime march. That was a really good, like everyone was fantastic. It was a, it was a real, it was no mask, no march. It was really strict rules, social distancing, all that. And everyone did it and it was fantastic. Everyone is family, plus the extended family of all these people that you don't work with all the time, but you see them in festivals every year. And, you know, yeah. you guys know as well, the festival circuit, whether you're a punter or whether you're a worker, the sign-off is usually, I see you in a field somewhere because you will just see someone in a field. You're like, oh my God, it's you. So this is the first time, and it, loads of people have seen each other in like six months, a year, whatever, and want to do and catch up. But there were no hugs. Everyone was really good about like keep sticking to the rules. And it was it was a real success. Well, that's been really insightful. Thank you so much. We do get a guest every week to pick a track. I've picked Kid Carpet because I'm really into my old music. I don't know anything new. He's amazing. And I saw him, oh my God, like early 2000s in a really little venue. He did a, he, he, I think he sort of came, like came up and got, got a little bit famous from doing a version of Jump, Van Halen's Jump, played on like children's key, like children's, yeah. keyboard, little like children's toys. That was incredible, but um, I'm not sure which track you've picked. Have you picked the track I've picked? We no. have not picked the track. No, I didn't. No. It's not radio friendly. <laughs> it's not radio friendly. But his his albums are just children's albums. The it's, principles the same. It's all kids kids instruments. Him it, playing ridiculous and being silly. I, yeah. I love the way that his music is is for kids. And yeah, I, it took me about three or four songs and I found one that I thought was radio friendly. But, <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> He actually, he actually has done in the past, because I booked it and I worked with him on it, a kid's show specifically yes. for kids. So, and he got these little cameras, like on the end of pens, and he was like making dinosaurs dance and stuff. Well, it was just, just it's crazy. Expensive. And yeah, he's been a sort of best of all, I think, for years. And like, it's, it's always that kind of thing. So make quirk it is different, but you know he does it because he loves it, not because it's yeah. cool or like edgy. It's just because it's funny. He's not, probably not capable of doing anything else, I don't think. No. He's just in that zone. That's it. <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're going to play a track called uh, Last Word. But, yeah, obviously, I really hope at some point our paths cross again. Yeah. They will. Um, yeah, yeah, in a field somewhere, hopefully. Or like just hopefully. a dirty venue with sticky floors. I don't care at this point. Like, we just give me something like no backstage and no bus parking. It's really awkward. Do it. I don't care. Right, okay, <laughs> deal. <laughs> Thank you.
I'll say goodnight before I hang up the telephone. Then you will be gone and I will be alone. But you can't say goodbye. You can't put the phone down. You won't close this channel, 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 channel. And face tonight, right now. So we say our goodbyes and listen to the silence. Two more goodbyes, that silence, and then a little chuckle. No, really, this is good night. This time we have to go. How I wish I could hold you, because sometimes I think you never know. This could be the last time, the very last time that we talk. Bye-bye. Don't make it the last call. Don't make it the last word. Are you having the last laugh? Ba-ba-ba-da-da-da-bum. Ba-ba-da-ba-ba-ba-bum. You know I'm sorry I'm sorry I said all those things I did I didn't mean any of them Must be the way I got out of bed And now we're saying nothing But that's never a waste of time Cause if you really love me Then please don't clear the line Cause this could be the last time The very last time that we talk Don't make it the last call Don't make it the last word Are you having the last laugh? Don't make it the last call Don't make it the last word Are you having the last laugh?
that was Kid Carpet, and it was a track called... Uh, Last Word. Last Word. I've not heard of Kid Carpet. I don't know how I can, because he's so unique. I'm surprised he's passed you by, actually. He did, he played Devises for me for Devises Festival. Devises Festival asked me to organise a Battle of the Bands, and we, we did this Battle of the Bands. We always finished on a big headliner, the idea being that the local bands could play their songs in a, in a sort of, you know, haphazard way, and then they'd watch the professional and go, that's where I'm aiming for. And we'd had some bands like Le Chat Noir who just, just floored people, you know, they were just sensational. Then we had Kid Carpet. And the reason I booked Kid Carpet is because he was so unconventional. It's like, you don't have to be married to playing, you know, dual guitars with one playing rhythm, one playing lead. You know, what you can actually do is get a Fisher-Price keyboard and make a little ditty on it and sing some crazy nonsense over the top. And it's still arresting, interesting, brilliant, entertaining, uh, musical, uh, talented, and all the rest of it. And it was really was to f- trying to throw a cat amongst the pigeons and just try and make people go, hmm, I think to a certain extent it works, but there was a lot of confused people in that show, I remember. <laughs> I'm having deja vu. You've said exactly the same thing about someone else a few weeks ago. You do it on purpose, then. <laughs> I, yeah, absolutely. I do do it on purpose, definitely. The last thing I want as a punter is to go to, for example, go to a metal show and watch five bands who all sound the same and all scream at me through their microphones. What I want as a musical fan, going to watch live entertainment, is something that's interesting, something that's, you know, perhaps a little bit outside the norm. Of course I want to go watch a really upbeat folk punk band, you know, and drink some cider and have fun. Yes, I want that. But I also want somebody to turn up like uh, Mike Daniels, Mike, Dan- Mike Dennis in Bristol. He turns up, soloist, with a bunch of effects pedals, and he makes this rap reggae using a violin. I mean, what? Absolutely fantastic. That's what I like. You know, you watch that and you are challenged, but he is fundamentally still a very accessible, very enjoyable, but he's totally putting a spin and a change on things. That's what I love. So yes, I do do it on purpose. I'm kind of sadistic and I hope it confuses you and I hope you're all richer for the experience. People who are listening to this are quite often confused by the music choice that we pick because we do not stick to any style. So it's, we do not. it's how I like it as well. I feel like we need to pick a Mike Dennis track now. Next right, we'll week. Save, we'll save that for next week. <laughs> if any musicians do want to um, send us their, their tracks or any news, then the email address is sheerisolation at gmail.com. So you can send all kinds of stuff over to us through that email address. We will, we will end the podcast there then, shall we, Kieran? It's been a good one. I really enjoyed listening to what Trey said. Looking forward to next week as well. Yes, it's very insightful. It's well worth having her on. And I'm really looking forward to one day seeing her again in a professional environment. But yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. See you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.